It's the Sleepers Podcast. It's G. We got Cart with me as well. Carter, how are you today? What's going on? Coming off a of Man City 4-0 drumming in the Premier League, so I'm feeling good. Um, Michigan State didn't lose this weekend. Uh, they didn't play either, but they didn't lose. So, um, you know, can't complain. Sounds like a damn good week for you. Yeah. You're also coming off a little trip. You were in Indianapolis this weekend, correct? I did. Yep, I did go to Indy. I went to go visit some friends. Um, so it was good to see them, good to see people. And, you know, but of course I had to be back in time to podcast with with my favorite dude, Greg Waddell. I mean, so we need we need we need to talk hoop. There's a lot going on. Things need to be discussed. So I had to make it back. I'm back. And uh, there was a lot that's been happening. Lots going on. Lots going on. And you're so kind, Carter. Thank you for that. I've been itching. I've been needing this. Uh, as you mentioned, big week in the NBA, particularly for the Brooklyn Nets, the Houston Rockets and the Indiana Pacers. One of the largest trades in recent NBA history. I would say went down. James Harden is a Brooklyn net. He forced his way out of Houston. A lot of people saw this coming. A lot of people predicted it would not come at all and he would remain a Houston Rocket, but he is now reunited with his former teammate, Kevin Durant, and the ghost of Kyrie Irving, wherever he is, uh, possibly forming the new best trio in the NBA. So that's exciting. That's big news. Yeah, it's crazy. And it got dropped. I mean, it, like you said, we saw it coming. I mean, the writing was on the wall. My dog Harden came in fresh off strip clubs. Uh, he was a part of 4PF training with little baby this summer. So he was basically in strip clubs. He ate his way out of Houston. That boy was looking thick. No homo pause. But uh, that, I mean, he, he basically forced his way out of there. Let's not, let's, you know, it's not sugarcoated that he played like a dude who wanted to be traded. So don't really like the way he went about it, but got to, you know, be happy for him because he got the situation. He got what he wanted. And of course, now it's time to nitpick the trade and everything that's going on. But let's just say this at surface level, G. We don't want to be those people that, you know, just overanalyze it to a certain point. You have James Harden, Kevin Durant, and possibly Kyrie Irving on the same NBA floor. That, in my eyes, makes them a, you know, I certainly I think they're the best team in the East right now by far you hesitated there they're the best team in the East by far to me they're coming out the East they're going to the finals in my eyes wow I do think they're a real threat to the Lakers now I'm not saying they're going to beat the Lakers but I'm saying that's a real threat like that this you know having those three players on the court I don't care who else you put them with you can put them with anybody and that'll be good That, that they'll have enough scoring power at least to keep themselves in game so I think it's a good move so you said we're not here to overanalyze. I'm definitely here to overanalyze. <laughs> we'll get to that in just a moment. But first, I do I want to talk about the weight of James Harden, both metaphorically and literally here. You just mentioned he, I mean, in warm-ups, everybody's seen the picture in the baby blue alternates for Houston, where I mean the man let's, just let's, looks large. Listen, all right. Speaking for myself, all right. I'm a bigger, I'm a heavy set gentleman, okay. There are certain things that you wear, certain camera angles, the way t- people take pictures. They can throw about 10 to 15 on you, all right? Now, they had my boy Harden out there looking like Norbit. I don't think he was really <laughs> like that because uh, they showed some pictures yesterday when he was with the Nets, and it looked like he shed 20 pounds in about a week. So, you know, angles are a thing. That, you know, that does happen. They are. They're saying. But. So this is, a, this is a body positive podcast, too. Oh, yeah, like, for sure. We're, we're not here to, to weight shame anybody. Um, 
I've certainly had fluctuations in weight over the past few years. I'm, I'm no stranger to that. I understand. But I've seen, because I, I, I follow a few members of Houston Rockets Twitter or Rockets fans that I've met through the Locker Room app, actually. And they claim that this was all a total just ruse by James Harden that he, it was never weight. It's not anything about he's even put on any pounds at all. He's the same playing weight he's always been. He was just like bulking up in like a weight vest in warmups and like four different pregame warmup shirts. Do you buy that? I don't, I don't really know if I buy that. Cause Uh, here's, here's my take on it. That's extreme as hell. If he was doing that, he, he obviously looks skinnier in the Brooklyn Nets warmups like there's something going on there but I just want to say this like he doesn't look to me as in shape as he was in the playoffs last year in those Brooklyn Nets warmups like he still looks like he put on a few pounds Mm -hmm. so I don't like I still think Harden probably has to lose a little if we're talking yeah no 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 no. and the, the thing is with a player like Harden um, I know you don't like thinking like this or like looking ahead like this, but there's a certain level of player that you really don't have to worry about in the regular season. Cause you know, once it gets time to like snap into it and make that playoff run, I bet nine times out of 10 Harden's going to be in, you know, good enough shape or in the best shape to make a title run. Uh, you heard situations like that. Draymond Green actually was on a podcast recently and not to compare the two players, but there was a point in the season where I believe Bob Myers or somebody in the Warriors organization came up to Draymond. They're like, all right, look, like I know it's the middle of the regular season, but we're about to make this run now. Put down the candy, snap into it, hop on the Peloton and let's get it going, you know. And he was able to do that. And certain NBA players are able to do that. So I would bet that Harden will be able to, you know, be in that best shape going forward. And maybe Durant can give him a little elbow like, all right, James, let's, let's put down that last drumstick. All right, we're good. You're, you're full. We'll be all right. Sure. I, I buy that. I, okay. It's time for me to overanalyze. <laughs> I, I won't say we are an anti anyone podcast because I can't speak for you. We have very differing opinions in many areas of the game of basketball at all levels. Mm-hmm. However, I will go on record saying I am an anti Kyrie Irving basketball fan. I am an anti James Harden basketball fan. I am a pro Kevin Durant basketball fan. I love KD. I was a little sad he left the Warriors because I liked him with Curry. I thought that was an all-time great pairing, but I get, okay, he wants to go back and have his team. This isn't him having his team anymore. Like, this isn't him and Kyrie going to do their little thing in Brooklyn. Like, this is super team version four for Kevin Durant in his career. So I, I don't know what to make of this. Harden and Kyrie to me are two of the greatest ball stoppers in basketball history. I mean, yes, Harden, his passing ability is incredible. I get I mean, it. I mean, but Kyrie's one of the greatest ball handlers in NBA history as well. Look, they're they're so skilled, right? This is one of the most talented trios ever on the same roster. I just don't like how does this really work in reality in a playoff series? Who's the guy? So someone's got to be the guy here. They're okay, not going to be happy with it. Durant is that guy. I think that's no question. Do you think James Harden and Kyrie Irving think that? Ooh, I think Harden does. I mean, shit. Playoff Harden, playoff Harden play. is, is a damn near a bum. I mean, 
I would agree with that. That's part of my gripe. I, I think James I Harden. think they know that Kevin Durant is that guy. If they don't, then shame on them. I just think we've got one of the most toxic locker rooms already, potentially in NBA history. Like there's so many off-court questions, not physically with these three guys. I mean, you can isolate them individually and like their mental state. Fuck basketball, right? Sorry, I don't can I swear on the sleepers podcast cart? Fuck yeah, you can. Fuck basketball. Like just their mental state is constantly in flux. We have no idea where Kyrie Irving is right now. Where like where is Kyrie Irving? I don't know. It's like where is Waldo uh now? But I mean I don't know. This is one thing I do have to say, G. And I made I put this in my notes going into this podcast because, as you may know, I'm a I've been a big defender of Kyrie. um, Just as far as I do think defenders of Kyrie. There's a lot of there's a lot of defenders of Kyrie out there. There is a lot of defenders. There's a lot of defenders of Kyrie, and you know I do think that sometimes the media can do its thing. Does does what the media does, but in a situation like this. It's just, it's really hard to defend Kyrie. I mean, speaking from a standpoint where I've been on a basketball team, the best teams that I've been on are teams that you can trust that your teammate is going to have your back and do what's best for you. The situation with the video of him coming out, you know, and yes, it's his sister's birthday party. And yes, that's happening. But there's sacrifices that have to be made when you're on a basketball team and when you're playing for that dude next to you. So as a person in that next locker room, I'm looking like, damn, Kyrie, like I get it's your sister's birthday party and you want to be there. But at the same time, am I not your brother? Like, are we not all in on this trying to, you know, do what we got to do to win basketball games? And that's definitely something that's in the back of some of those nuts players minds, whether they want to state it or not. The best teams are teams that when people have each other's back and you do what's best for your other teammate. And that includes sacrifices. And I don't know that if Kyrie is willing to make those sacrifices, which is a damn shame because he has a team right now that is, I think, maybe one or two like buyout contracts or maybe one more piece away from being a like a actual super team in my eyes. So it's it's kind of hard to defend them and it's disappointing. But I just really want to see those three guys play together and come together. But, you know, even if he doesn't come back, Harden and Durant's a damn good twosome to make a run. Yeah, they are. And I'm sure at some point those three will be on the court together, probably in regular season games, and they'll look unbeatable. Offensively, we'll have never seen anything like it. And it'll be the number one storyline to watch in the NBA. But you just said, I mean, basketball is about playing for and with the guys next to you. All Mm -hmm. of the best teams at all levels in basketball make sacrifices and there's not necessarily a level of selfishness with multiple guys. You need a certain element of selfishness. You need guys that know I'm that guy. I'm going to go out and take those shots, but I got news for you, Cart. Kyrie Irving is not a guy who has ever in his career played for the guys next to him. I mean, when he was back at Cleveland, all he did was complain that he wasn't the number one and LeBron looked down on him and it was toxic. He goes to Boston. He damn sure wasn't playing for Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown and Gordon Hayward and Al Horford. I mean, that team should have been great. They weren't great. Kyrie Irving deserves blame for that. He gets Mm -hmm. to Brooklyn. You've already got the video of the Zoom call with him saying, you know what? No one can guard me. I need my eight post-ups. And now where is he? Like he's, to me, he is one of the most selfish players 
and out of touch with reality players in NBA history. He's so skilled. I know that. He, his shot won them an NBA title. But there's way too much going on up here for me to ever take him seriously as a positive asset to an NBA team. Right. And you know what? I, I already said it before. I stand a king that, you know, uses his PTO. You got to, you know, use it or lose it. Use your PTO. Don't let your boss tell you you can't use your PTO. But come on, dog. Like, <laughs> you, you do this, you disappear, and then you're seen at a birthday party in a pandemic. There is the, the, the vid is still out here. The coronavirus is still putting up triple doubles in these streets. And you're out at a, at a, at a club maskless. Like, it's just, it's inconsiderate. It's not smart for you. And it's also not smart for, you know, you're putting so many other people and so many other things at risk by doing that. It's a very selfish decision at a point where you should be able to, as a man, be able to make a smart decision and sacrifice in that situation. So it's disappointing um, and it's hard to defend my guy. And I love Kyrie, but it's, it's selfish tough to defend. right in line with what he's been behaving like for the last five seasons. So yeah. I'm, I'm not surprised with that. The stats speak for themselves from the first game with James Harden as a Brooklyn net. James Harden triple-double, 32 points, 12 rebounds, 14 assists. People were saying on Twitter that he was acting like the, the boyfriend who meets the girl's parents for the first time. He was doing everything like, hey, do you need any help with those dishes tonight? I can get some rebounds for you. It, it, it was honestly so funny because they showed a, a little like clip from the game of like Harden like, hey, come on, Durant, like, come on. People were like on Twitter, like, man, the chemistry, the chemistry. And everyone's like, they played together for like five years together. Like, there's, <laughs> it's not like they didn't have some type of like, you know, connection. They're boys. Like, it's, they're well known to be boys. They're, you know, people just love to blow things out of proportion. But right. uh, that team is it's still, I mean, damn good. Um, I think they're going to be an option for those buyouts at the end of the year. Probably pick up like, a, I don't know, a defender or something like that. Because I think that's the one thing that, I think it's overlooked in this trade. You have a guy like a, they trade away Torian Prince. That's basically a guy who you have is six, eight goes out there and plays defense and can play defense on the wing. Now Kevin Durant becomes your best wing defender. So looking through the East, you're going to have to have Kevin Durant in series where he guards Giannis, uh, Jimmy Butler. Um, I don't even know other wings, uh, Jason Tatum. Uh, he's going to be guarding those type of players throughout the Eastern Conference playoffs. And I think that could maybe wear him out a little bit. Um, they have options like Jeff Green, but I think Jeff Green is a fossil who ain't checking shit. So <laughs> they definitely, you know, they lost a lot in this trade, I think, too. Jeff Green being back with Durant Harden is one of my favorite subplots of this trade. That is a great storyline. You know, right. hey, fuck it, fuck it, trade someone, bring Russ back. Let's, let's get, get Ibaka back. Let's, let's get, get everybody Let's back. get the fucking gang back together. So I do think defensively they're going to struggle, particularly in the playoffs, because I don't think there's going to be buy-in. I mean, Kyrie doesn't want to guard to me. James Harden doesn't want to guard. Kevin Durant will guard, but does he want to guard the opposing team's best player and I mean, the go-to guy on offense? I mean, he's going to have to, and uh, I, I just think he's going to have to with this team. But also, what if it's a situation, okay, we all know the phrase, defense wins championships. But damn, when you got that type of scoring power, like maybe they just say, fuck it. Let's just outscore people. Like, let's. I will say this as a as a vocal proponent on the college side of the Iowa Hawkeyes being a legit threat this year. 
Sometimes a bucket wins a championship. Hey, my my high school coach, I got to shout him out. Rick Palmer, Albion legend, current coach at Brother Rice High School, building a powerhouse over there, my guy. He used to say, get that, this was just, this was the quote, get that bitch out the net, three is worth more than two. If we shoot threes and they shoot twos the rest of the game, we're going to win. So just get that thing out the net, let's score 90 and let's go home. Like that's and it, it it damn near worked. I mean, we played some defense too, but shit, we were scoring that thing. Put the orange thing in the round thing. Right? And that's, the, and that's the name of the game. Put the orange bouncy thing into the 10 foot who like just put it in there. And the Nets will be able to do that. It's gonna be really interesting to watch it play out. Before we move away from this, I do want to ask you, are you happy if you're the Houston Rockets or if you're a Rockets fan? Are you happy with the haul they resulted in? I was a little surprised. You know, they they make the initial trade. You think Levert's going to be in Houston. It ends up with them receiving Victor Oladipo. Karis Levert, who prayers up to Mr. Levert right now, they uh, they found a mask in his kidney, which they still need to do more tests on. Hopefully it's um, benign and there's no major issues for him long term. But Levert goes to Indianapolis. I'd assume Pacers fans are probably not too happy with that result right now. Um, just because of the health scare. But if Levert is healthy, I mean, I'm taking him over Oladipo. Yeah. I, I mean, I the, I think the Pacers did a really good job. I think we stated this when we were talking at the start of the season. We're like, in order for the Pacers to be the, the team that they can reach the level, we agreed that Sabonis would kind of have to be who this team runs through. And that's not, you know, what I think Oladipo wants or is willing to accept. So he gets what he wants. He gets out of there. Now you have a team in Houston, which is just full of dudes who had major lower leg injuries. <laughs> um, it's still a good team. They get rid of Harden. But to me personally, a lot of speculation on what was part of the other trade packages. But i rather, you know, get a Ben Simmons, um, a player who's 24, coming off an all-NBA season, a defensive stopper, first-team all-defense last year, I believe, a potential defensive player of the year candidate. I'd rather take that than betting on picking a dude like late lottery or in the 20s of a draft pick. Um, I think when you're trading a person of Harden's caliber, you need something for sure back for that. And I don't think they really got that for sure. They got a bunch of picks that they can leverage maybe for a future superstar in a future trade. But me personally, I would have rather took like Ben Simmons and some picks sprinkled in there, maybe get a Matisse Tybal in there, whoever just – whoever in there around a Ben Simmons, James Harden trade. And personally, I think it would have been best for the NBA as well. Cause then you, you have a team where we don't have a super team in the East, which is what we have now. It's a little more parody. I think the Nets thing is great for the league though. I mean, do? I, I do. I think eras are defined by super teams like this and with the Warriors dynasty sort of falling apart right now. Um, and who knows, right? They don't have clay. Maybe they come back. But you've got the Lakers, and then you've got what else has sort of been the question. The Clippers were supposed to be that. I, we saw in the playoffs last year, I don't think the Clippers are ever going to be that without another superstar. But I think it's I think it's good. It sets up with, nicely with the East team and a West team. We could easily see Brooklyn and the Lakers with LeBron for a couple years um, repeat in finals matchups. I think long-term, that's a good thing. However, I'm with you. I, I'm a huge Ben Simmons advocate. His numbers this year leave a lot to be desired, especially scoring-wise. Averaging 12 points a game. Yeah, I think he doesn't want to be there, though. I think that attributes to it. 
Well, it's, it's just the worst fit for him ever, right? Mm-hmm. Like, I, I still think Ben Simmons to me is a top 10 guy in the league that you would pick to build the team around. Right. Like, if you could put Ben Simmons with just four shooters around him and, like, drive his usage rate through the roof offensively and let and him rock. And, and he's 24. Right. I think there's another level there, which if I'm Houston, I agree. I would much rather have Ben Simmons than I, – I, I don't know. I think they got cute a little bit if you're the Rockets, right? Because the rumor was that they demanded Tyrese Maxey. Yeah. And the Sixers wouldn't give up Maxey, which also yeah. seems a little strange. That's strange as hell because, like, I love Tyrese Maxey, but is he really stopping me from getting a James Harden? I just don't really know if that's what's stopping me, to be honest. It shouldn't. I mean, it's not stopping me. Me personally, if I'm in the front office, that ain't stopping me. And I, I wouldn't do that trade if I'm the Sixers. I, I would not trade Ben Simmons plus anybody for James Harden. I just have my questions about Harden in general. Um, but if you're gonna go all in and you're you're interested in Harden at that point, Tyrese Maxey should not stop that deal. Right. But also, you know, if if Ben Simmons did get traded to the Rockets, like. That, that that team doesn't even do well to fit around him. Like, I just want someone to really just just go all in on Ben Simmons. Like, just put him in there, give him, give him like a, a Luka Doncic-type usage rate and just let him create and pass and do what he needs to do. But, you know, some for some reason, the Sixers just don't want to just do that or build around him. I mean, his best year, he had like J.J. Redick and Jimmy Butler on the wings for him. And he was able to, you know, make plays for them. J.J. Redick had one of the best shooting shooting careers ever. Like, and that's with a shooter at the end of his career. Like, just think about if you just went all in on Ben Simmons and just surrounded him with the shooters. Like, it could be great, I think. Is that reason teams are scared to do that? Because he keeps airballing threes by about 10 feet? Hey, I ain't gonna lie. That's bad. You gotta, you, that, that was you bad. that clip? No, oh. that, that shit was short, left, air, all air. Like, it was... It was so bad of a jump shot that people thought it was actually a pass. It was that bad. It wasn't good. But yeah, I'm I'm still pro Simmons. I'm glad you are too. Hopefully yeah. someday he gets out of the the Philly situation. Or honestly, I mean, would you <laughs> would you it, is there any chance the Sixers ever trade Embiid and keep Simmons? It doesn't seem like that, right? No, no. It it seems to me like it's going to be two of them or the one the one that's going to go is Simmons. What would mm-hmm. you do though? Would you pick Embiid out of those two? Me personally, no. I'm taking Simmons. I am too. I'm taking Simmons because I think Embiid has yet to prove that he can keep the he he does this a lot. Like he he's a superstar talent level type player, and he does this a lot and does all this. You know, putting up the big stats, doing all this, but he also drinks pitchers of Shirley Temple's throughout the year and gets to the playoffs, and his body breaks down. Like it's no secret that a player like LeBron James spends a million dollars every single offseason taking care of his body and how he takes care of his body. And people are just out here thinking you can just not take care of your body and then you get to the playoffs or something like that and you're tired or you're weighed down. It's just it never it just doesn't last. Like you don't have the longevity with with Embiid. So I'd rather take a Ben Simmons type player, to be honest. I think he's better all around to me. So what it sounds like you're saying is around the league, there's a bunch of dudes that need to tighten up right now. Am to be I honest, for real. Like, get it together, man. Like, no need to, like, make this a LeBron podcast, but, like, he's giving you the blueprint. Like, this dude 
spends all this money, does all this hard work and attributes all these things to his body. Yeah. He, yeah. He drinks bottles of wine. So do I, but he puts a lot of work in and he's giving you the blueprint on how to be great and how to be, you know, have a long career, but some guys just don't want to, you know, follow that. I don't know why. Couldn't be me. Couldn't be me. All right. I've got some quick hitters here podcasting with you. (laughs) I've got some quick hitters. I want to play fact or fiction with you from five teams that surprised me with them either overachieving through the early point in the season or underachieving through the early point in the season. Mm-hmm. And I want you to tell me based on the statement that I make, if it's a fact or if it is fiction. Okay. First up, the Cleveland Cavaliers, who are currently the seven seed in the Eastern Conference, will make the playoffs. Do they trade Andre Drummond or are they keeping him for the whole season? They got about five centers right now. They're looking like the Michigan State Spartans in the front court these days. If they keep Drummond all year, they miss the playoffs. Um, if they get rid of him, they still miss the playoffs. But I'm not buying it. I think they miss the playoffs. I want to just come out on record and say Colin Sexton and Darius Garland work so much better than I ever thought it would. They really do. They really, I did not think they, they would work like that, but they definitely do. I thought that if it was ever going to work, John Beeline would have been the one to figure it out and make it work. But he's calling color commentary for Penn state Purdue these days. So is he, is that what he's actually doing? He did today. His first color game. It was uh, quite an experience as a listener. (laughs) Wow. No, I, I'm, I'm saying I'm saying miss on that. They're missing the playoffs. OK, I agree with that. But Colin Sexton's been incredible. OG Young Bull. Love to see it. Number two, the Phoenix Suns, who are currently the four seed in the West, will win a playoff series. I want to say fact. I think they will win a playoff series. And I think it's because of the other pieces that they have who have played very well up until this point. I've been very surprised with Mikel Bridges this year. Uh, Jay Crowder actually has added a really nice piece for that team as well. Uh, still have issues with Aiton and kind of the disappearing act he performs every couple games. It's a little alarming. But, you know, I think up until this point, they have shown me that they could be a team that can win a playoff series, I think. So I'm going to say that that is fact. I'm pretty sure you're going to say fiction. I'm going to say fiction. Mikhail yeah. Bridges, hashtag not my bridges. Um, he's fine. Jay Crowder is like at the top of my list of role player veterans that just like always ends up on a winning team somehow. I feel like he just gets passed around from contender to contender. So I don't know. I will say I got to eat some crow on the whole Chris Paul thing. I blasted them for that move. <laughs> Yeah, actually, hold on a second. I actually have some receipts for this, and I didn't bring this up in our pre-pod conversation because I wanted you to be caught off guard by this. Okay. I have a text, I have a text from a Sir Gregory Waddell, and I'm going to read it right now. For this Suns team, they would have been better off keeping Ricky Rubio for this team over Chris Paul. That is an exact quote from Greg Waddell. He'd rather have Ricky Rubio than Chris Paul for this Suns team go yeah i said that i was wrong (laughs) i'll i'll admit it fine i was wrong i still i don't know rubio's been awful in minnesota i'm a little confused by that because i I think rubio's been a fine player on the past couple contenders he's been on but chris paul is more effective than i thought he would be as a 36 year old point guard sue me sorry i don't get it um 
I still, I think they've overachieved. I don't think they're going to stay in the top four in the West. And if they do somehow hold on to the four seed, they're going to get either Dallas or Portland or Denver in the first round. And they're not winning that series. I don't know, man. I would be, there's a lot of concern, I think, across those, those Western conference, uh, you know, kind of contenders. I mean, Jamal Murray's lost all his bubble juice. He's looking like Raymond Felton nuggets out there now. So uh, <laughs> I don't know. They got to get it together for sure. But I uh, knew I knew Jamal Murray was going to be set for like a, a downward spiral after that one game in the bubble where he went toe to toe with Donovan Mitchell. And then he like came up for like a Snapchat or a TikTok with him after the game, like out by the pool. Like that was going to be the highlight of his career. Right. Like I don't see him exceeding that at this point. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I hope I, everyone was kind of praying on his bubble slump and he's, you know, feeding right into that right now with a, with a level. I I didn't think he'd be this bad, but he has not been really good up until this point, but Jokic has been great. Jokic has been unbelievable. He's been, unbelie- he's been unbelievable. Um, but yeah, they uh they got there's a lot of uh, question marks I think in the West right now. I'm not saying the Suns finished around the four seed. Uh, I think preseason I had them like five or six in this conference. Um, so we'll we'll see. But I do think they had the talent to win a playoff series in the West, especially with how the West is looking right now. I'll say this: I think their best chance would be to fall to the seven seed, catch the Clippers as the two seed. And see what happens. And that might be the only matchup I like. There's there. nothing sweeter than playing Paul George in the playoffs. Nothing sweeter. All right. Two Eastern Conference teams that are currently out of the top eight. We've got the Toronto Raptors, who are four and eight, twelfth in the East right now, and the Miami Heat, who are four and seven, eleventh in the East right now. Will either of those teams miss the playoffs? No. Not missing Just the playoffs. Think early slump. Not missing the playoffs. Uh, Miami's been missing a lot of players in a lot of these games. Um, I think that's what attributes to them. Uh, the Raptors, on the other hand, they haven't really been missing players. They've just been losing games. And I think they need six god Al Farouk Aminu, the Cameroonian Beyblade that is Pascal Siakam to get it together. Um, I made the statement that he might have reached this ceiling as a player. And – Unfortunately, he's kind of proven me wrong. I've proven me correct up until this point, which is interesting for my takes because a lot of them don't really come true. But this one is, uh, I think they get it together. They got too much talent, uh, too much culture as a Raptors team to miss the playoffs in the East that I think is bad. But I'm way more concerned about the Raptors than I am about the Heat. I think the Heat at full strength will kind of get together and you know play the way they know how to play, make a run. Yeah, I think I think the Raptors may actually miss the playoffs, and I think if they wow. do, in the, I, in the, hold on, in the East, in the East, I really do because the some of those teams near the middle that are a little ahead of them right now, I think are teams that could have a little staying power. Like Charlotte has a lot of guys that are playing solid. Like uh, Rozier's been better than I thought he would be this year. Yeah. Gordon Hayward's been playing playing great but his, he's gonna fall off after the inauguration <laughs> he is um <laughs> god you're <laughs> oh my dog gordon hayward was feet up in nancy pelosi's office taking oh, my god. Graham. he's gonna fall off after the inauguration watch i'm keeping stats you're probably right that's the sad thing <laughs> um 
And look, okay, hold on. Hold on to your hats, folks. I'm going to whisper it so no one gets too excited. LaMelo Ball has been good. He's been okay. Just He's, look, good. he's good, and I think, like, he's going to even get in better once he gets thrown into the starting lineup. Because right now they got Devontae Graham in the starting lineup, I believe. So sooner rather than later, I think they move LaMelo to the starting role and just let Devontae come off the bench and gun, which is, I think, his best role. But, uh, yeah, LaMelo Ball is he's good, folks. Good player. And let's leave it at that, please, for now. Until he starts deserving anything more than he's a good player, then we'll go there. But for now, let's just be happy with that. There's no, there's, there's no, there's no need to be cement hard in your pants off a, off a simple bounce pass, all right? So, yeah, I think, I think there's teams ahead. Orlando, to me, honestly, is probably a playoff team with the way Vucevic has been playing. He's, like, a legitimate first-team not first team all NBA, but like NBA All Star for sure. I mean, yeah, they they lost Markel Fultz, so that hurts. Cole Anthony's been okay. Every NBA rookie point guard except for Killian Hayes has been okay. So they might be all right. I'm just saying the Raptors are also the organization that is smart enough to be like, oh shit, we're four and eleven right now. Mm. Let's throw in the towel and throw ourselves in the Cade Cunningham book. By the way, Cade, uh, there's really great mortgage rates right now going on on places downtown. So if you want to get a head start on that, go ahead, buddy. I've also got some breaking news for you, Cart, some non-basketball breaking news that I just feel you should know. Pat Mahomes has been taken to the locker room, and Michigan Wolverine Chad Henney is taking snaps on the field in a playoff game for the Kansas City Chiefs right what now. What in the jack hell? It's happening. Oh, Lord have mercy. <laughs> Um, okay, let's pause there. Anything else with non-Pistons NBA that you want to get into before we hear a word from our sponsor? The Pistons stink, um, and that's okay. You stink it up, fellas. We got one with Sadiq Bey. Uh, Killian, I hope you heal up soon. We need you to be good. Um, and also, gonna can I throw a draft hot take out here? Sure. I think that Evan Mobley will fit better with our team right now over Cade. We're going to pause right here for a word from our sponsor (laughs) and then come back and revisit the Evan Mobley take from Carter Elliott. Today's episode of the Sleepers Podcast is brought to you by the Locker Room app. The Locker Room app is where you can bring your hot takes. It's a safe space for takes such as... Is Chad Henny the new Pat Mahomes? Ooh. I think he might be. <laughs> about to take him. To no? Okay. All right. No, it's okay. This is a safe space for takes, but let's not go that far. But like Greg said, Locker Room is an audio-based social networking app connecting fans, uh, reporters, players themselves. Uh, it's a free app available to download in the App Store. You can get your takes off. You can join rooms about college hoops. Uh, NFL, bachelor rooms, uh, rooms on music. It's just really a, a social networking kind of platform that just connects all people. And it's great. It's free. And I mean, what more do you need? The Sleepers have their own show on the Locker Room app Tuesdays at five o'clock. Where we're talking college hoops. Last week, we had Jeff Goodman in the room who co-signed the Sleepers, by the way. So, I mean, after leaving the room, after leaving the room, but he came back and then he joined us. So it was a good time. We always have a good time in the locker room app. And I mean, it's free. So but, I mean, I don't know what more you need. Head over to the app store, 
download the locker room app come join us come join other rooms and just talk sports and talk whatever you want stay spaced say dumb shit like chad henny's better than patrick mahomes get on the app get your takes off and join us on the locker room app every tuesday for now back to the sleepers podcast you're okay before the break carter just teased and Evan Mobley is better for the Pistons take than Mr. Cade Cunningham. I would assume that also includes Jalen Suggs, Jalen Green, yep. other guards. Yep. Also, I think Jalen Green is the best of the Jalens, and that's no shade to Jalen Suggs. Because I think Jalen Suggs is a top five pick, but I think Jalen Green is better than Jalen Suggs. Okay. One take at a time here. Okay. Let's, let's break down Evan Mobley. So why – why is it roster fit or you just love Evan Mobley? It's roster fit for me. Um, I think that it's, it's the roster fit for me. <laughs> it's, it's the roster fit for me, but uh, yeah, I just, I mean, I think that it's a serious discussion that needs to be had. Not even just for roster fit that Evan Mobley could be the number one pick. Stop. I think, it. I, I think it's worthy of a discussion. Is it not? Stop it, Bro, you have a player who is seven feet, who is doing things, like I mean, have you watched USC this year? He's doing oh, yeah. some like freak, he's doing some freakish things. Like he is a kind of a Jaron Jackson type player. Like, and that's worthy of a you know has a has a potential to be a star level player in the NBA. Maybe I mean there there are some characteristics that remind me of Jaron. I was honestly more impressed with Jaron out of college than I've been with Mobley. Maybe it's just because we saw less bad with Jaron because truly it was a little limited how he was used. Like we only saw great things from him when he was on the floor because he played 20 minutes a game. He didn't take that many shots and the shots he did take were wide open, good ones. Um, That said, his block rate for the 20 minutes a game he played was like astronomical. I don't think Mobley's as good of a defender. Um, I don't think Mobley's that good of a rebounder, honestly, like he, he kind of feels more like a huge wing than he does like a true big, which isn't bad for the way the NBA is going. But yeah, but I, I attribute that to more of the talent around him at USC and the system at USC. Um, I think in a different setting or role, uh, I don't know if that I don't know if the place to go is Detroit Pistons. If you want to excel in a setting or role, because we have tendencies to put players in the wrong role or the wrong situation. But I think you have a player who is seven feet tall. Defensively, I think that he is able to block shots at a high rate with both hands. Uh, I've seen him do pick and rolls with his brother. I I believe it's Isaiah Mobley, I think his name is. Looks good in the pick and roll. When he gets doubled on the block, he has the ability to make skip passes and throw it to the open man. He has good feel, good vision. Um, I think that's with a guy like we look at this past year, James Wiseman, a big question with him is his feel and his vision. I think that Mobley has that. I'm not saying it's like a point guard level vision, but if he gets doubled, he knows how to make the right play. He makes the right decision, does the right thing. And I think it's also a situation he doesn't even realize how good he could be yet. I think he's passive at this point. And I think once he realizes that he is who he is, he'll be even better and take it to another level. I don't think he's passive. I think he's. I think he's. I saw him play a couple of games ago, and he only had two shots. That's like unacceptable. But well, that's because USC in general is a mess, which but is what part I'm of why I don't love could, that most. He could easily just turn around and shoot it, but he's more of so he sees it in his head as, oh, I'm getting double teamed. Let me pass this, and make the right play. But honestly, I'd be like, man, fuck it, just shoot that. 
Yeah, maybe. Also, before I get blasted by any rant, if there's like a USC Twitter crowd out there, which I doubt there is for basketball, but I just said USC's a mess. They're eleven and two, but it's been a messy eleven and two. Is no, where it, I'm no, at. Hold on, it is a mess. Their coach doesn't know how to put their best players in positions to do the best things. Correct. It's it's unorganized. I don't know that I would say Mobley's necessarily used in the best way, but it it feels like he has a whole lot of freedom, which is why I'm surprised with your take that he doesn't really know who he is yet. Is that what you were saying? Or like, yeah, so I think he has that freedom and he could do that, but maybe the way he's played basketball or, or the way he thinks about basketball is like, uh, even though I can do that, I'm going to make the right play. But sometimes the right play is you being aggressive and you have the ability to shoot over a person or you have the ability to shoot over two people being that tall and, you know, has a good looking stroke pause, but he should be able to, you know, do that type of stuff. So I just think it's him just thinking in his head, just, Oh, I'll just make the right. I'm doubled. Obviously I should pass this. So I, I think Mobley will be a good pro. I, I don't want this to come across as hate, but I think if God forbid the Detroit Pistons land the first overall pick for the first time in my lifetime. If they select Evan Mobley over Cade Cunningham or over a guard this year, I might be done with the franchise cart. And here, here's part of my problem. I teased this last year and I'm going to go back to it. I actually, I, I asked Omari Sankofa, who is the Detroit Pistons beat writer for the free press in a mailbag. He answered this question. I said, should the Pistons, Maybe have an eye on the 2021 NBA draft with how they draft in this draft. I'm a little worried they're going to pick the point guard of the future and then avoid taking a guard in a guard-loaded class next year. Mm -hmm. Like the last thing I wanted us to do was lock ourselves into a Brandon Knight situation for five years where we avoid other great players at that position at all costs. And like, I think that's what they'd be doing if they took Mobley. Like what, first of all, this is a whole other conversation, but Killian Hayes hasn't shown anything that he should be entrusted as the point guard of the future at this point with or without the injury. And when you add the injury to it, I mean, that's a terrifying prospect. So if they're thrown in a position to take a Cade Cunningham or a Jalen Suggs, who I think I'm way higher on than you are, um, they have to do it to me. And so, so here's what I'm saying. Here's what I'm really saying. Um, I think that it's a discussion to be had um also i think that let's okay let's say this situation we're not gonna just go off on a tangent here but we had the second pick cade's gone who are you taking jalen suggs without question see i'm no no i disagree with that i'm taking i'm taking evan mobley with the second pick and also if i'm going down to the next person i'm taking jalen green before jalen suggs i need to see more green i think mobley like if if jalen green was playing in college basketball right now he would be putting up numbers and i think that his hype train would be elevated um i'm interested to see what these ignite games do for him but i think if he plays well and i think if he plays the way he can play he'll he'll be able to kind of rise his way up i think mobley between two and four is appropriate but dude i think you're sleeping on jalen suggs a little bit no i'm not sleeping on jalen Suggs. i love i think jalen suggs is top five but that, that might be sleeping on Jalen Suggs a little bit to you say he could drop to five. I mean, I think there's three teams looking pretty stupid if he drops to five. I really do. I mean, it's a loaded draft. It's Going five in this it draft. It's going, a great draft, going, right? Going five in this draft is not an insult. But so here's the thing. If the Pistons were to take Evan Mobley this year and then 
come around with a top two pick. Let's say they get the second pick in 2022. Big hypothetical here. And Imani Bates is gone. Are they taking Chet Holmgren when they already have Evan Mobley? Or are they going to say, well, we have our big. Let's go down and I don't know who's the best wing available since we got our point guard and our big, Killian Hayes and Evan Mobley. Probably pick Max Christie. I just – I don't like that. Like, I want the best player available. I I think – I I was wrong. I'll say this now. I thought Killian Hayes was the best player available at seven. He wasn't. And they need to take the best player available I'm, this I'm year. Holding, I'm holding off on making that statement. <sighs> Can we, should we have the Killian conversation now? We have to. Hashtag wait and see. <sighs> What has Killian Hayes shown, Cart? 18. That's it? So, uh, that's what I tell myself. Why Why did he get the keys to start? Because he should. I think that's his best way to learn. Throw him into the fire? Yeah, why not? I mean, honestly, that's not I think what that's, Blake Griffin thinks on Twitter this week. I don't even think he threw him in the fire, though. Like This is the one thing that gets me about Dwayne Casey. He comes in, I think what he does, I got a little Izzo theory the way you got with Izzo with me with Dwayne Casey. He's like, says all this shit and says all these things that he wants to do. He's like, man, I really wish that we could get Sekou more minutes. Motherfucker, you the coach. You get him more minutes. He, like, doesn't, want to, he doesn't want to get Sekou. <laughs> right, he's talking about, I wish I could get Sekou more minutes. So the fuck do we, but we don't control his rotation. Like, you want him to get more minutes, throw his ass in there. Blake Griffin in 2020 has been Cristiano Felicio from the Bulls. He's hobbled. You've compared so many people (laughs) to Cristiano Felicio. Like, that's just your I'm mad at you big man comparison. (laughs) I know that by now. Like, you have a lot of funny good comparisons. That one has been overused in the last month. Give me – all right, you go ahead and talk right now. I'll give you my 2021 Blake comparison in, like, 17 seconds. Okay, so – I the Seku stuff bothers me. Yes, I wish Seku was a factor in the rotation. I thought he showed promising things last year for how young he was. I'm a huge Seku fan in general. Um, it's clear at this point he's not one of Troy Weaver's guys. I am actually on Team Troy Weaver. I've given him a lot of benefit of the doubt. People blasted the Jeremy Grant signing. How'd that work out? I would rather have Jeremy Grant than Christian Wood at this point. Truly. So I'm, I'm content there. Um, Sadiq Bay, great pick. Isaiah Stewart, solid pick. Like I felt weird about those after the draft, but I, I think Troy Weaver has a plan. He's had a plan at his past stops. He's built contenders. He's built fun teams. And I see that forming here. And I think Pistons fans need to ready themselves for the fact that Sekou Dubois is probably not part of that plan. Ooh. And look, is I get like he's only getting chances that are very limited. I understand that. If he got 30 minutes, he might be better. But are you really advocating for Seku to take minutes from Josh Jackson or Jeremy Grant? Because those are the two guys that are playing ahead of him right now. And Seku's shooting 35% from the floor. Yeah. Also, I got I got this for you. You can choose which one you you want. Um, I got biracial Laurie Markinen or Kyle Anderson with buffs. Kyle Anderson with buffs is better. Biracial Laurie Markkinen is a good com- – like, that's a good player. I like Laurie Markkinen. Is he a max player? Because that's what the well, fuck we're playing, Blake. 
Well, the Pistons have a lot of things to fix, Cart. Getting He's got rid of Blake one, Griffin's one. Bam, one knee. Getting rid of Blake Griffin's one of them. Killian Hayes being anything would be nice. Speaking of percentages, Killian Hayes is shooting 27% from the floor for his rookie mm. season. Okay, let's move on. The pain's too much. I just like, let's just be objective, Pistons fans. That's my New Year's resolution for you. I oh, no, hit- no, no. It's, it's fair. Killian has sucked. Killian sucks. Thank you. Right now, if we right now, if Killian retired today, the only thing you should say about him is he's an ass NBA player because that's all he's shown us. And here's the thing, though. It's okay to say that. I don't understand why people trip about criticizing players and coaches who underperform. It's the same thing that I yell into the stratosphere to Michigan State fans. Like, it's okay to criticize Tom Izzo when he does bad things. We're not saying it was stupid to draft Killian Hayes. He might work out. He might. But he's been absolutely horrible. And unless he looks like a totally different player post-injury, then this was a massive failure. So we're not labeling that right now, but like Pistons Twitter loves to be like, oh, it's been what, 11 games? That's all? Like you're going to jump all over all the other rookies that we've had? Like you're going to jump over Sadiq Bey because he missed a couple threes his first game? Like no, Sadiq Bey's shown something. Every point guard in the league, Emmanuel quickly looks great right now. Peyton Pritchard looks great right now. Cole Anthony? Looks good right now. Like, I'm not asking for too much. I'm not asking for 15 and five. I'm asking for, like, give me eight and four on 40% from the floor, and I'd feel fine about Killian right now. I couldn't get that. Yeah, true. He didn't give us much. He gave us nothing. He'll up soon. And he was our beloved tank commander before he went down. So we appreciate your service, Killian. Hopefully you're back to command the tank one more year next year. And in a couple of years, we're starting Cade Cunningham and Chet Holmgren and Sadiq Bay and Jeremy Grant, and I'll be happy. So, Jeremy Grant, he'll be gone by then. But, yeah. Now, also, the Pistons, to your last question, the Pistons will finish last in the East. We'll, we'll find a way to mess it up somehow. Yeah, we should finish last. We should in the finish last. We'll finish, like, third last, end up with the sixth pick and get – We'll go on like a, a six game. We'll, we'll rip off a six game win streak at the end of the season for no reason to fuck ourselves over. Who we taking with the sixth pick, Cart? Huh? Who we taking with the sixth pick after we go through that winning streak late in the season? Uh, someone from some overseas dude, probably. <laughs> oh, I'm not ready for this, Henry. but it's gonna Michael happen. <laughs> Good lord! <laughs> All right, anything else on Pistons? Keep losing, baby. They got too good of a win against Miami this weekend. Yeah, what the hell? Stop stop doing that. No, we don't need that. We don't need that. Get that out of here. Okay, let's move to a quick college basketball touch base. Uh, we weren't going to do any college basketball. This was going to be a full NBA episode, but I feel that this would be a pretty critical week to just totally ignore what has happened with the Michigan Wolverines. So I want to start there. In the last week, they had a absolute demolishing of a top 10 team at the Chrysler Center, the Wisconsin Badgers, who, Cart, I was told by many people out there, that's the toughest team in the Big Ten. I was hey, I was told that you didn't want to play Micah Potter. You didn't want to go up and play against Greg Gard. 
Hmm. They're so old and so experienced. They have no NBA players. They are future accountants. They are already a foot out the door. They graduated three years ago. Well, like, they're they're a foot out the door, but two feet in the door again next season when they bring everybody back with the COVID waiver. Dude, That's gonna happen. Really wild. Like, but look, I let me just take my my ten seconds to clown Wisconsin for a second. Go ahead. Stop it. Wisconsin is fine. They're a good team. They're an NCAA tournament team. They're a top four ish. Big 10 team. They're not winning this conference. They're not better than Michigan. They're not better than Iowa. And they're not better than Illinois. I know Illinois is struggling right now, but they're and not. They ain't, and they ain't better than state. They're a lot better than state. They're a lot better than state. So I had to try to sneak that in there. Okay, go ahead. And if you, you're, you're going to yell at me, Greg Gard's not that good. Greg Gard's fine. Greg Gard was handed the keys to a, a sled that was just rumbling downhill. Down wait, a wait a minute. Are we, are we bringing out the Greg guard is just a great substitute teacher takes Greg guards. Fine. Greg guards. So, you, so you're saying Greg guards, bringing that TV in on that little rolling thing, just popping the VHS in there and just letting the class watch. What has Greg guard done in his career? Let's talk about it. Has he overachieved at any point? Has he had a season where they have, I actually, I honestly don't know this. I'm truly asking you. Has he had a season without double-digit losses? Uh, to be honest, I, I couldn't even give you that right now. I'm about to look this up right now because oh. I am going to accuse all, Greg Gard. All, of all I know is that Greg Gard's greatest recruiting skill is hoping that good players are born in the state of Wisconsin. That's literally his greatest tool. He just kid, picks kids from Wisconsin. Let's talk about it. Let's get the Greg Gard takes really flying. Okay, here's here's Greg Gard's four seasons as Wisconsin's head coach. He inherits a team with senior Bronson Koenig, senior Nigel Hayes, senior Zach Showalter, sophomore Ethan Happ, and goes 27 and 10 with them. Fine. Next year, he goes 15 and 18. Next year, he goes 23 and 11 with senior Ethan Happ and all of this senior class he currently has. As sophomores, next year he goes 21 and 10. He's fine. That's where I'm at on Greg Gard. He's fine. Wisconsin, as long as Greg Gard is there, going to lose 10 games every single year. That's my take. Proof's in the pudding. It's not a take. 11 and 3 right now. They got seven more losses coming. So good luck winning the Big Ten with that. Now, to a team that could win the Big Ten, the Michigan Wolverines. And, Cart, Mm -hmm. you can can be happy about this. They laid a major egg at the barn, as every team that has gone to the barn this year has done. So I don't want to read too much into it. Eli Brooks was not there, but Michigan is no longer undefeated. I mean, to be honest, it's not even – I'm going to give you credit. It's not that bad, man. Like, Minnesota literally is the best team in the country at this barn. Are you taking Gonzaga or Minnesota if it's played at the barn? I'm – I get Minnesota what plus eight and a half. I'm taking eight and a half. If I get I'm taking that. eight and a half and sprinkling some money line. That elevated floor is something about it. Like they 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 really hoop when it comes to the barn. But uh, I I don't know, Greg. I don't know if you're looking too much into that game. I think maybe they're just being brought back to earth. I mean, they just smack Wisconsin like that. Maybe it's just a tough road game. Um, it probably could have been a little closer because they did fuck y'all up like it was bad um been there done that already but uh 
yeah, I don't know. I'm I'm not I I wouldn't panic or anything like that. So it was such a week of highs and lows after the Wisconsin win. There was the the countrywide narrative of we got to start thinking about this as a three horse race: Gonzaga, Baylor, and Michigan. This is first of all. Let's 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 spell check. This isn't a countrywide narrative. And I quote, because I keep all my receipts from Greg. It's time to talk about it after saying Greg Gard's a good coach and, you know, the lowercase, uppercase, you know, mocking tone. He said to me, it's a real situation. We should need to have a real discussion about it being a three horse race between Baylor, Gonzaga and Michigan. And let me tell you, neither of those teams want to play Michigan right now. I stand by the fact that neither of them want to play Michigan. Now, I forgot how good Baylor was. I'm willing to go there. That's I had not seen Baylor in a while. They they were off because of the COVID pause. They came back. They just played Texas Tech at Texas Tech, and they had them in a straight jacket for like 20 minutes. That seems really, really good. And Texas Tech made that a game in the second mm-hmm. half. That I, I really, truly believe Texas Tech is still good. I think the top four in the Big 12 is significantly better than the top four in the Big 10 now is where I'm at. But I, I I just forgot how good Baylor was. And Jared Butler did not play well. He did not score until very late in that game. And then he took over down the stretch as uh, an All-American should do. So at this point, Gonzaga is 1A by far. I, you can't even call it 1A anymore. They're 1. They're Tier 1 by themselves. Baylor's Tier 2 by themselves, significantly behind Gonzaga to me. And then in tier three, I still think Michigan's probably the top of it. And they're not that far behind Baylor when they're playing well is where I'm at. But it was wrong for me to say they're a clear top three team in the country. But also, like, they're missing a starter. No one wins at the barn. And Juwan did some really questionable things. Juwan Juwan Howard, the great coach Juwan Howard, makes mistakes? Look, he he took – he took a classic page out of the New York Times best-selling book by Tom Izzo, How to Manufacture Your Own Adversity. I mean, he was reading straight from the playbook there because he, I mean, he subbed in guys that barely played. Austin Davis being back for this team is one of the worst things that could have happened to him. God bless Big Custard, but like Big Custard. He's he's just not good. He, him playing more than 5 minutes a game is a very bad thing for this Michigan team. And he played I think 15 minutes. Uh Zeb Jackson who is nowhere near ready to be a rotation player took 15 minutes from Eli Brooks rather than going to like Terrence Williams or Brandon Johns or guys that have actually done good things on the floor. Adrian Nunez. <laughs> I mean, it, it was just questionable. And people, announcers keep saying this, and it pisses me off. It's like, oh, Jawan, he loves to do the NBA substitution patterns. You'll see that at the next level. It's a, a an advanced NBA thing that he's carried with him. No. Like, they, they say that when he takes out Hunter Dickinson, Franz Wagner, and Mike Smith all at the same time. That's not next-level NBA thinking. That's just a stupid substitution. I was going to say, it sounds dumb to me. Like, you, there's no reason in a 40-minute college basketball game to have your two best players off the floor at the same time, let alone three, I'd, offensively. I'd advise against it. It's not smart. So, and look, Hunter Dickinson's in the doghouse right now, like, pretty significantly. Can, significantly. Juwan lit him on fire in the postgame. Um, he was asked 
basically what happened with, with Hunter. How did Minnesota make him struggle so much compared to how he's been all the other games? And he said, I don't know. You'll have to ask Hunter. So it's, it's not nice right now. Hunter did struggle. The whole team struggled. I mean, no one played well. Eli Brooks makes everything work. I have a lot more respect for Eli Brooks now. I hope he's back this week. Otherwise, I think you could see another loss. But I don't know. They had to lose at some point. At the Barnes, not the worst spot to lose. Hold that L. Uh, on the other side of the state, the Michigan Sp- State Spartans are on pause. Yes, we are. Uh, my That's got to be a major relief for you. Uh, no, you know, never want to see, you know, my players get sick, but it's, uh, it's, you know, of course who start the spread. None other than Steven Izzo is the start of the Michigan state spread doing more harm than good Poor what I said by him being on the roster, son's coach's son or not. But, uh, yeah, we're currently paused. Um, you know, who knows how long it's going to last. I mean, Villanova just got off a pause that lasted damn near three, almost a month, damn near. So uh, hopefully they get it figured out. Hopefully they can kind of stop it and get it back on track. And hopefully this gives <laughs> gives State more time to get their shit together so we're not bummy. You know, having the pause in Michigan State basketball this week, not great. I wanted to watch them. I was excited for the Michigan State-Iowa game, especially after we recorded the episode with DK from Spartan Hoops. We basically spent an hour previewing that game, and it was all for nothing. Now, having this break did give me time to look up a few things, Carter, and I have three, I would call them either fun facts or stats for you here. Are you ready for these? Oh, you disappeared, Cart. You're watching the video. Oh, he's back. <laughs> Lovely. You ready for my three facts? Yeah, man. Steven Izzo leads the Michigan State Spartans in usage rate this season. 36.2%. Lovely. Number two, Steven Izzo and Maddie Sissoko are roommates. That's a fact. What do you think Steven Izzo and Maddie Sissoko talk about? Probably not shit, to be honest. I don't even know. I don't know that there could be two more different just humans. Right. Steven Steven Izzo is actually 5'4", and Matty Sissoko is legit 6'10". I I just – I need like a full-on reality-style camera following them around. I I would love to hear their conversations. And it's it's actually sad and scary. They both got COVID. Prayers up. Hope that they're okay. But I I could not stop laughing when I heard that those two are roommates. That's why – like you couldn't put Steven Izzo with Jack Hoiberg, step back Jack. Like he's just got to be with Matty. I don't know. What's that, what's that supposed to mean, Greg? I'm just saying. It seems like an odd pairing to me, Cart. That's all I'm saying. Steven Izzo shouldn't be rooming with anybody. He shouldn't be on the team. <laughs> Number three, Cart. This is my personal, personal favorite of this. Who leads Michigan State in assist rate this year, Cart? Mm-hmm. Is it like someone like just I wouldn't even guess? No. I'm going to say Rocket. Mark Watts. (laughs) Now, where is Mark Watts on turnover rate for Michigan State? Do you think he turns it over a lot? Compared to everybody else on the team? No. Rocket Watts. Mark Watts, sorry. Mark Watts has the second lowest turnover rate on Michigan State this year. 
He has the highest assist rate, the second lowest turnover rate out of 11 guys that play in the regular rotation. But remember, folks, Mark Watts can't play point guard because it's not good for the team. You said that. Interesting. You said that. Very interesting. Better passer, better with the ball than Mr. A.J. Hogard. I see. I don't think he's. A, I don't think those stats are indicative of him being a better passer than AJ Hogar because I don't think it's about. Well, he gets more Hogarth. assists on the floor per minute than. Probably doesn't. Doesn't he play more minutes? It's not. I didn't mean like his percent of time that he gets an assist when on the floor is higher than AJ Hogarth's. Okay, but I'm saying you watch the damn game. Who's a better passer between Rocket and AJ? AJ turns it over a lot. Who was a better passer between Rocket and AJ? I thought Mark did a good job facilitating this. Oh, year. stop. You've been calling him Mark. That yeah, shows a... he can't score. It's not my fault he can't put it in the bucket. Okay, but I'm saying pass. you watch you watch the game. Who's a better passer? That's a simple question. Yes, who is it? Who's a better I like, passer? I like stats, and the stats say Mark Watts has been a better passer than AJ Hogarth right. on the season. AJ stepped it up a little bit in big time play. I will okay. say that. But all right. You watched it, you know. Look, I uh, I hope Michigan State can get back to playing, but if not, I'm going to take this time and enjoy my time finding more fun facts about the Michigan State Spartans. So stay tuned. Stay tuned. Uh, and lastly, let's go to our list, Cart. We've got the championship contenders. Again, the list as we left it is Gonzaga, Baylor, Texas, Tennessee, Illinois, Wisconsin, Kansas, Villanova, Houston, Texas Tech. We did not want to cross anybody off last week. However, there's a couple of teams I'm feeling pretty stupid or not on this list cart. We don't have the Wolverines. We don't have the Hawkeyes. And those are the best two teams in the Big Ten by a lot right now. Yeah. Um, yeah. Unfortunately, we cannot add because we said that we weren't. We made this list probably, what, two, two, three weeks ago? About a month ago now. Was it a month ago? Okay, so a month ago. And we told ourselves the only thing we could do is take people off. And at the time, Iowa was looking shaky on the defensive end. And, and Michigan I still think, was undefeated. Huh? Michigan was undefeated at the time. Yeah, and hadn't played anybody. But um, thank you for interjecting that. But they hadn't played anybody up until that point. Um, well, they still haven't played anybody, depending on who you ask. Shout out, shout out Locks. But, uh, <laughs> yeah, we're, we're going to stay strong without adding people. But it is worthy worth to note that if we were adding teams, we would add say <laughs> Iowa. Say it. And um, probably another team or two. Say it, Cart. Nope. I'm not proceeding with this until you say it. I'm serious. Probably add Michigan. Thank you. All right. So, do we want to take anybody off? Again, we're not. We're not taking Texas Tech off after the week they just had. Great win, Mac McClung with a game winner Finally. at Texas. Cold blooded. Houston was up 30 in the first half against UCF today, so I don't think we can take them off. Nope. Um, really, the only two teams I look at here and say maybe off are Illinois and Wisconsin. Kansas staying on? What What did Kansas do this week? Did they lose? Um, the, honestly, the last game I remember them, they lost to um, Oklahoma State in overtime. Oh, Yeah. So they they've been struggling um, a little bit, um, and then who, who else did they? They beat Oklahoma last weekend. They only had one game this week and okay. lost Oklahoma State. 
I don't think that's enough to make me take Kansas off. Yeah. I'm, more, I'm more willing to consider removing Illinois or Wisconsin here. I think as much as we want, if we had to pick one, as much as me and you as a podcast want to pick Wisconsin, we should pick Illinois to be off this list. I can't get myself there with Illinois. I don't, I don't want to take them off, but I feel like if we're going off the criteria of why, like teams that should be taken off, I mean, they should be taken off. I mean, yeah, but back, back to my comparison of them to that 2013 Michigan team. (laughs) That's why you you don't want to take them off. It's not even because their players remind me of that. Illinois has real problems. Let's do a minute on Illinois. Okay. They, They basically have a guard and a center and then what else? Like they don't really have any forwards. They don't. No, they, they literally, they're literally a point guard, a big man, and a bunch of undersized wings. Yeah. And that's not a good formula. But Io, we do, not, we do not like undersized wings. We hate undersized wings. But Io is that dude. And Kofi Coburn just needs to stop playing like that, like freshman that gets put on JV just because he's huge and can touch the rim, but like isn't ready to catch a pass. Like that's what he reminds me of. Oh shit, that's funny. I mean, yeah, that, was, I'm, that really made you yawn. You're that tired with the yeah, Illinois. I'm sorry, thing. long weekend, but uh, <laughs> uh, yeah, I don't want to take Illinois off, um, but. We, a wise man once said, never let the agenda die. So I'm willing to take Wisconsin off this list. I let's go there. I want to take Wisconsin off the list because I want everybody listening to this or watching this or recording this Carter, even you, I want everybody to close your eyes with me for a second and envision it's the first weekend in April, maybe the second weekend, in April, maybe the first weekend in May, whenever we get there, it's the final four. And there's four teams remaining in basketball. And all of a sudden, that Saturday night game, both those games end, and you get to that Monday night, and there's two teams remaining. Can you really picture Demetric Trice and Brad Davison standing on that floor on a Monday night in April in a game where confetti's ready to fall? No. I can't either. So there's your answer. Don't lie to yourselves, people. So let's take them off. Wisconsin's removed. I'm down with that. All right. Wisconsin is officially off our national championship contender list. That leaves us with old one, fucks. one Big Ten team left. I mean, it would we talked about it. It would be more if if we were we're a pro know. Big Ten podcast, and we have the fourth best team in the Big Ten is the only one on our list. But hey, March is a different beast, man. I'm just glad Wisconsin's off. Yeah, me too. I feel good about it. That's why that's exactly when you do shit like have your own podcast, you can do stuff like that. This is our list. If you got a problem with it, go make your own list. Yes, sir. All right, Cart, give the plug. Tell people where they can find us. You can always find us on Twitter at Sleepers Media. Also, our YouTube channel is up and going. We have episodes with Ken Palm on there. Just had a real good conversation with DK over at Spartan Hoops as well. Uh, have a other have a couple other interviews. Juco Advocate on there. Um, it's a really you know really revving up the content uh, on all of our social media platforms. So we try to drive everything to our YouTube channel, and then that has links to every other kind of platform that we're on. So sleepers media on YouTube, check out our channel. 
also have an Instagram at Sleepers Media. Um, gonna have all types of content on there as well. And of course, if you want to follow the masterminds behind Sleepers Media, you follow myself at the Brody underscore C A and Greg, I believe, is at G Wizzy12. I'm gonna be so mad at you if you didn't know my ass. That's correct. <laughs> at G Wizzy12. But yeah, um, a lot more stuff to come. Uh, and you know, I think that everyone should follow our contender list and be sure because these are recorded and we talk about who we think is going to win it all and i have a good feeling it's going to come true come march and i'm willing and that sound clip might come back to bite me i'm willing to do some ridiculously stupid things if wisconsin wins the national championship me too honestly and give us some ideas there if anyone thinks of anything like i'll like i'll do it like i'll wear like i'll wear a wisconsin polo every wednesday for a year and we'll call it Wisconsin Wednesdays. And Actually, I have a weird proposal. Uh, people, what? people might not like this, but this, this is a punishment used in a fantasy league that I'm in that I love the concept of. If you lose, or in this case, if Wisconsin won a national championship, you and I would need to meet somewhere. We live away from each other a couple hours away. We would need to meet at a pancake house or a restaurant that serves pancakes and either stay in that establishment for 24 hours or we can leave every pancake we eat removes an hour that we need to stay there. Ooh, we got there quick. Come <laughs> down here. We'll go to OHOP. I'll smack 24 pancakes like it ain't nothing. Okay, then maybe that's not a good one. But I would do that if Wisconsin wins yeah. the title. Don't play with that boy. He's not one of them. Don't throw me no pancakes. <laughs> over. <laughs> All right, you can also get us on the Locker Room app. We will be there this Tuesday, every Tuesday at 5 p.m. Eastern, although we might need to reschedule that because I have high school hoops practice 5 to 7, so that's not going to work. But last week, last week we did have some awesome guests. We had Mr. Jeff Goodman, the Jeff Goodman, joined us for the room. We talked about the upcoming Michigan-Wisconsin game. Uh, we talked about a bunch of college hoops things. It was really fun bunch of people joined in you can hop in the conversation in the locker room app download it follow us find us there on tuesdays get us on social as carter mentioned uh subscribe like all that good stuff we have some big episodes coming up in the next few weeks we have a an episode in the works with a michigan state basketball player i will say a former fan favorite michigan state basketball player from the last decade and a couple other big guests on the Piston side, some NBA folks that are in the works. So we've got fun people lined up to chat with the sleepers. And if you have ideas, if you will have things you want to hear from us, hit us up, let us know. Yep. And as always, um, make sure that you tune into The Bachelor tomorrow as well. And on that note, have a great Sunday night, folks. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.